0: This episode of Fermented Adventure, the podcast features Matt Simon. It was recorded on location at Good Intent Cider in Belfont, Pennsylvania. We had a fabulous time talking to Matt and enjoying their amazing ciders. Do reach out to Matt and Good Intent and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! We're always striving to improve. You can find us at FermentedAdventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at FermentedAdventure at gmail.com. All right, F.A. Nation, let's meet our guests. He's Matt Simon. I'm Rich Shane. Doin here. And this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Well, it's going great. It's a Friday afternoon before even the cidery opens, and we get to talk cider today. And I'm excited to understand how good intent cider got started and all the history of it. So how did this cidery get started?
1: Uh, it basically got started, the owner, Adam, it was his hobby. He took a cider making class at Cornell, and he's from Gettysburg area, where it's like one of the best apple growing places, probably on earth, definitely in the United States. And uh, then I picked up from him about two or three years in, and I've been doing it for between five and six years now. I've been the the cider maker. Um, I kind of stumbled backwards into it. I was a food science student at Penn State, and I was graduating, and I needed to find something to do, and I knew I wanted something hands-on. So in an old fashioned way, I just called people on the phone that I thought I might want to learn from and uh, Adam picked up and it kind of went from there.
0: Have you or had you always had an interest? Do you have a memory of your first
1: cider experience? Uh, Cider specifically? Not really. Like I had an interest in distilling, fermenting. Beer making, I kind of tried to take as many classes as I could uh, at Penn State about that. But hard cider, I was kind of a basic stuff you get at the grocery store kind of guy until I started and then really got into it. Um, But me being kind of a nerd and my brain being obsessive, then I started to learn pretty quickly, I think.
0: When you shared that experience with Adam, I mean, it sounds like it's almost like taking that master class going from your undergrad, your bachelor, you know, stuff like that. But you're taking a master class in cider making. Does that Was that the experience for you getting that kind of hands-on training?
1: Uh, kind of, yeah. It was that and a lot of uh, educated guesses on my part. I kind of had, you know, the theory and background knowledge and then... After a while, and it it was pretty short, under a year after a while, it was like, okay, you go, you got it. (laughs) Uh, I guess I didn't screw up too bad. (laughs) Well,
0: you said after five or six years.
1: I got it now. Yeah.
0: How did they come up with the name Good Intent Cider?
1: Uh, So the street that Adam grew up on is Good Intent Road, and they just took it right from that. Just simply, hey, this is the street we grew up on, right? Yeah. And it, it does have a cool ring to it. It sounds like it could be more cryptic than that, but nope, it is right off the street he grew up on.
0: With your training or your experience going from that food science background to where you are now, what were some of those aha moments for you? I mean, you're walking into an established cidery, they have fans, And now you're bringing your own experience and your own impression on even some of the things that we're going to try today. But what were some of those moments for you now getting to do that hands-on
1: of making cider? Um, So I thought about this. I think the biggest one was trying to let go and do my own thing. For the first couple of years, I wanted to have as many things as we had been making to be exactly the same which is impossible because it's fruit and we don't use any additives or water or anything so it's going to be different I think the big change was when I kind of got to just let loose and do what I wanted to do the way that I would do it and I think same thing for Adam too because he's like you got it you do what you think is best and I think between that and then just working behind the bar for a couple of years was also a big thing because people would ask me what's the best yada yada and I would say you you tell me (laughs) like everyone likes different things and so it was kind of market research I would go grab something from a tank run over here let people try it (laughs) like go from there um So that transition of kind of, I guess, letting go of what I thought things should be and what people are going to enjoy the most and like kind of finding that balance, that was a big deal.
0: It sounds to me what you're saying is you're trying to – your initial try was to create ciders that you wanted people or thought they would enjoy and not really having a good base of understanding what they would enjoy – Pleasing them, but once you went after the flavors and things that you wanted to make, right. that was that big aha and moment it's for like you.
1: And it's like a balance. It's You want to give people what they want, but you also want to give them what they don't know they want yet. <laughs> and well, that's a big thing.
0: You know what, you say that, and it's interesting because, all right, you've been making cider now for five or six years you know, we, we've had those beginning historical moments with the angry orchards and those that have set the precedents, but now we have that craft cider industry that we're in today. Good intent is how old, when did they start?
1: So we're coming up about 10 years. We've been in this location in Belfont for, I think it's between seven and eight now. Um, the cidery itself existed for a couple of years just at like farmer's markets and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we're coming up about a decade. So kind of right around a boom period for cideries like nationwide. Where we are now. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you said, we were talking
0: before we recorded. And now there are, at least in this area, three cideries when at the time you were the only one for years.
1: Yeah. And statewide, it's more than that. The, when we go to the farm show, there's a ton. But that's kind of natural because, like I said, Gettysburg area, Adams County is one of the best places for growing apples in the country. It's right up there with Pacific Northwest and Michigan. So it makes total sense to have that many cideries here. I
0: want to circle back to something you said in, in an understanding because you said you work some time behind the bar so mm-hmm. you got to meet the customer directly you also have been able to have that mental exercise of hey you just make for you and sometimes the customer doesn't know what they want mm-hmm. but if you keep making excellent cider that's just going to continue to create those raving fans and those fans that want to just drink all kinds of cider and different ciders from your standpoint though in in understanding that, you know, right now, like we're in the 10th year, let's say of what good intent is and of of basically that cider boom. Where still do you see that cider customer? The one that you were in Belfont, Pennsylvania. We're about 10 miles outside of State College where Penn State is. What do you still see the response? I mean, we've seen you at the Cider Fest in yep. Gettysburg where there's... that 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 thing was crazy with how many cider fans and cider drinkers were there but where do you see the cider drinker today when they come into the cidery
1: um well here specifically is really interesting because we're close to penn state where a lot of the population switches out every four years so it's kind of changing all the time when we very first opened We were kind of the neighborhood bar. There wasn't a lot of places to drink at all. And so we had all kinds of people. Some people that came to drink a beer. Like, they didn't even want cider. And then now we're kind of shifting to where now it's a lot of, like, grad students, people coming out from Penn State, which was always there. But it's definitely growing um, but it's kind of all over the place and cider doesn't neatly belong to any category. It's not distilling. It's not beer. So you get all kinds of people. You get people that stumble in cause they saw it. You get people that are like cider snobs. You get people that have never had hard cider. It's... All over the place. And so you just kind of help people pick out what you think they're going to like and hope for the best. And obviously make really good cider.
0: In your craft, because that's what you are. You're a craftsman that makes good, really great cider. Where do you see trends in the cider industry going right now? And where do you see your imprint on those trends?
1: That's tough to say. I think the trend... For cider right now is definitely away from the bigger commercial ciders and it's sort of becoming more like the wine industry where you're seeing a uh, variety specific things um, definitely a lot more adventurous flavors than what there used to be so you're seeing stuff that has Hot pepper or hops or all kinds of stuff that, you know, the big cideries wouldn't really touch. Um, We're kind of right in the middle of that. We're adding single varieties all the time. Crab apple ciders. You know, we have a cider that has Earl Grey tea added. It's kind of all over the place. Really... Like I said, cider not belonging to anybody is kind of liberating because there's not as many rules as wine. If you add Earl Grey tea to wine, people might riot, but cider, it's fine. <laughs> Nobody will say anything as long as it's good, <laughs> which it, is really cool. What's
0: interesting is you're saying that. I'm thinking that's pretty, you know, that that's a really interesting thing because, look, you can make a cider cocktail. You can you can add Earl Grey and introduce that and how that's going to mix with the flavor profile, of the apples and different brightness, mm-hmm. acidity. But nobody's going to make a wine cocktail. Nobody. No, that's where I think you really have the ability to have a deeper palate or a deeper medium to play with.
1: Totally, yeah. There's not as many rules, guidelines, maybe, but
0: <laughs> no, it's like it's just that that old you know ride you did. As a kid, where you could run the raceway, where there's yeah. at least bumpers on one side, bumpers on the other. Yeah. But as a kid, you didn't know. You just, you know, tried to go as fast as you could. And you know, as long as you stayed in the guardrails, you were fine.
1: Yep. I mean, I have my own sort of internal rules and like quality sort of specifics. But in general, you can do, you can do sweet. You can do dry. You can do hops. You can do kind of whatever you want to do which is really neat and i mean obviously i'm into that because i get to play around and have fun and that's the best part obviously coming up with something new and different and then getting people to like it like the earl gray tea one people thought i was absolutely out of my mind and then once we got it down it became like one of the biggest hits of that year. That was wasn't the name. That was it was British, British Imposter. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We've had that. I really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> I think maybe that would be the one that where I I felt like that was when I was officially the cider maker because people thought that's weird. There's this weird guy doing this stuff. <laughs> and then Oh, actually, it's really good. <laughs> so then it was unofficially, okay, he's got this. <laughs>
0: but at the end of the day, you know, let's say that you, you run with it and look, it becomes this huge hit. It's it's like anything else. You try, you see how it works. Maybe you need to tweak it somewhere. Yeah. But at look, I understand the apples and the juice are expensive. But to the upside of what you can discover if you play around a little bit is, is somewhat, you know, Definitely more mind-blowing for people when they try it versus, you know, never trying it or, hey, all right, it didn't work. We,
1: we you know, we lost some juice, but that's okay. Well, we have a huge variety right now, too. There's 13 different ciders on. So I tell people, like, you shouldn't like all of them. That would be unreasonable. <laughs> like, so, like, we're going to take some chances for sure. Um, I always say... There should be at least one you like, or I have failed, but you should (laughs) not like a few too. And I don't, I'm not the kind of person that's going to have an ego problem if somebody at the bar doesn't like something. That's just what people are like. And so, but those are the people that I single out. Actually, if I step behind the bar and somebody is making like a nasty sick face, I want to talk to them. Because they're going to be honest. (laughs) Somebody that's just, oh, I love everything. That's not helpful. And I guess that's just kind of my personality of (laughs) being a perfectionist, maybe. But those are the people that you're making a sick face. I'm going to make you try everything now (laughs) because you're going to be honest with me.
0: (laughs) I I think that's a good way to be. And, you know, like for Dawn and I, I, you know, when it comes to beer, We love stouts, porters, you know, we love everything very well. We're not huge IPA fans. So we're almost the kind of person where you want to come up to us and say, we don't necessarily like bitter. But if you were to serve us a bitter cider, we still might enjoy that. Or a hop cider. Or a hop cider. I love hop cider. I I love the way the floral comes out of a hop cider versus how it comes out in an overly hopped beer. So, you know, we're definitely those, those, those kind of people that come in. And you're going to want to say, ah, if you don't think you like this, we're going to find something you like.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like pharmacology. It's the dose that makes the poison. And so, like, I'm not against anything just outright in terms of a flavor. It just has to be balanced correctly. In a certain measure. And that's my thing with IPAs is that it's gotten to a level of a joke. I'm not against bitter at all. I love bitter things. I like Negronis. I like bitter cocktails. But it's just only bitter that I have a problem with. And even that, it's I can appreciate anything that's well-made. It just might not be my favorite thing. But, yeah, I'm more of a stout guy, okay. porter guy. All right, that's
0: where we'll be at the bar later. We'll be doing some stouts and porters. <laughs> With – you mentioned Adams County. Yeah. And, you know, we also talked about wines and those single varietals and, you know, that's that's some of the feedback I get. That You know, now we're really focusing and honing in on that one apple similar to what a uh, – one varietal similar to what, you know, winemaker or wine producer would do with Chardonnay or, you know, Cabernet grapes. Are there specific – Apples that you're really looking to hone and say, these are those varietals that we're looking to bring out and highlight and showcase in our cider?
1: Uh, I think definitely the biggest success story for apples for us is the Wixon, the crab apple cider, which you know, we had to pay somebody to grow them for us because they thought, why would you want that? And there's only a handful of people that have those apples in the country. And it just like took off like a rocket once we could get it. It's, it's, it's a little bit more hard to do than grapes because the grapes are out there. Apples are like there's this weird sort of archaeology thing going on where people need to find them and cultivate them because there are so many apples that are just gone. And, well, from Prohibition, right? that wiped out so many different varietals. They tore everything up. Yeah. And we're just kind of really starting to crawl out of that, which is really neat. Um, there are people that that's all they really do is find all these old apples and try to bring them back, which is really neat. Um, But the Wixen is definitely the one that is... It's undeniably crazy good. I don't know why you wouldn't want to farm it. They are little, well, they're not tiny, tiny apples, but people hear crab apple and they just think, oh no. But they're well—that's the
0: stuff I grew up, you know, as yeah. a kid, and you never ate it. It was—it was just dry and mealy and all kinds of nastiness. But yeah. th- but that's what makes a perfect cider varietal. Because once you press it and get that juice out and start letting the yeast and the fermentation happen and those natural sugars, you're
1: yeah. going to get this whole fascinating flavor profile. And it's, it's strangely not one-to-one. There are apples that you would not want to eat, and they make delicious cider, and vice versa. Uh, a lot of really bitter apples taste really good as cider. Some don't.
0: You mentioned this varietal and you said, you know, you go to your providers, those that are, you know, running these orchards for you. Mm -hmm. And you say, hey, could you start growing these for us? Because now you're thinking three, four years out in terms of what you'd like to start to make cider out of.
1: If you're not able to get
0: that juice today, right?
1: Right. Yeah, that was uh, the owner, Adam, Mike Wixson was kind of like a... A passion thing for him i think it was my second year making cider that they had fruit to use on them and it wasn't very much but it was one of those of <laughs> we will pay you to grow these will you grow them <laughs> and they thought why would you want it
0: <laughs> that was one of the conversations we've had with different um cider producers out of cider Con this year yeah. you talk about these single varietals and if you can promise a farmer you know if you can say to that orchard hey if you set aside this much land and start to grow and graft these apple varietals we'll buy we'll buy it all right yeah. and you're almost contracting and you don't have that middle man middle person right yeah this creates a nice synergy between you as a cider maker and those as an orchard to say look If I keep doing this, we help this varietal grow, and we help the whole industry.
1: Yeah. And you also have people that just have weird trees. Hey, do you want to try this? Sure. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we'll give it a shot. (laughs) Like, uh, we have one on right now, Topaz, and that's a really modern apple. It's not historical or anything. And that was just, hey, well, you want to give this a shot? And... Okay. And it turned out really well, but it's one of those things where since there aren't so many rules, you just try.
0: Matt, what's exciting for me and, and in this discussion, I mean, just getting a really strong basis of understanding your personality, the way you bring your love of cider now to what you're making. But I also have these glasses here, these cups filled with cider And I can't wait for you to take us on a little tour. I mean, you mentioned Topaz, and one of these is Topaz. Where should we start? I got an FR, a W, an M, an MN, an NMS, and a Topaz.
1: Well, here's the thing. We used to have a tasting order that everything should be tried in. And I kind of got rid of that. Okay. I think that's a little snotty for my taste. (laughs) um, So, let's see. I'll take a stab at it. I think let's start with the seasonal one, the oh. Fireside Mat. Fireside Mat. Named Matt. after oh, I me. The, yep, there you go. Why not start with something named that after one's, you? That was the one they named after me. It's our uh, plum juice and winter spices. It's got like cinnamon and clove and all that good stuff. Kind of what. Uh, What I came up with, because I refused to do pumpkin spice or apple pie, (laughs) that's what I came up with. So I thought, uh, winter, uh, sugar plums, plum, kind of went, worked backwards from there.
0: Oh, that's good. I love the warming nose on that. Now, um, my question is, where, you know, the plums, where does the flavor, what do they impart? Is it more sugar, sweetness, um, Cause I'm getting this, you know, warming on the nose,
1: but it's, it's- um, a little more sweetness. It's mostly just like fruitiness mm-hmm. and a little bit of color too. That was like a pleasant surprise. This year we had white plum previous years we've had red. And so it gives it like a Brown color, which people are like, Oh, spices, it's Brown. So it was kind of a happy accident that you get a really cool coppery color from it too.
0: On the palate, I get three different experiences. I get the sweetness and the plums and the apple right up front. Then it goes to this dryness Mm -hmm. where you get the apple really coming into play and the the tannins, right? And then you get this – the spice just sits there. I feel like I just ate – just enjoyed this big slice of pumpkin pie. But in this case – It's plum pie. (laughs) Right. It's apple plum pie. I want like a slice of this. I want... You know how they throw um, the crust or a whole pie into making a beer? Yep. I almost want... I I can almost like feel the crust coming out because I want it there so bad.
1: Right. Yeah. Your mind does that. That was... um, And I
0: wonder if it's some of the yeast that may still reside that brings that bready, that flowerness.
1: A little bit of richness. Yeah, Yeah. That could be... Um, when people ask what it tastes like, I just say Christmas usually. And they're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, you'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see, one of these things is, this is why I love trying this and then getting your perspective on it. But it's almost like this. I, I feel like I'm, I'm visiting somebody's house and this is the dessert they serve today. Right. But this is just wonderful.
1: It was definitely one of those ones of people always want Apple pie. Pumpkin spice is one that stumped me for a while. And that was one of, well, I want to get a little more creative because I feel like anyone's going to do apple pie. And so I started to look, I started to look at Vossel recipes and old mold wine recipes. And then after I looked at, you know, maybe 20 of those, I started to like work backwards from there. So instead of just being like, this is what goes in apple pie, I wanted to look at, well, what would normally go in there? What do I want to tweak? I definitely wanted to turn the cinnamon down a little bit because cinnamon is always there. And I wanted it to be not so heavy because, I mean, I love fall. I love Halloween and stuff. I always want a pumpkin beer, and I always regret it after (laughs) half of it. (laughs) Because it's just too much. And so I wanted it to be, you know, Christmassy, fall, winter, but like drinkable.
0: (laughs) I'm curious. I mean, even on that thought process, you could have done something or you may have already done something where you do, let's say, a squash. You don't have to do pumpkin. You can do a butternut. You can do an acorn. You
1: definitely can. And
0: I don't know if that's something you've
1: done as a cider. Or maybe now you will do it. So... Actually, I felt a little silly uh, because I thought, well, pumpkin, pumpkin is now now you're kind of making beer because pumpkin is starch, which is maybe food science like chemistry brain, because I'm thinking if it's not sugar and you're having to turn starch into sugar, that's beer. But then biologically, pumpkin is a fruit. It grows on a vine. So, depending on what your definition of fruit is, you definitely could make a pumpkin cider and technically it would be all fruit. But then in my head, starch (laughs) is not fruit.
0: (laughs) See, I love love this just kind of – I'm watching you work through in your head the – just the technicality of this. Right. And yeah. and I think that's why, you know, we've enjoyed your cider now. Our first visit to Belfont was five years ago. And they're just amazing ciders. But technically speaking, that's a very technical cider as far as what I would say. They're so not, not from the production of it, but from the layers as a consumer. It's, right. it's, it's not just I'm drinking this sweet cider or this dr- – there's so many things to play with mm-hmm. there, And I can layers. see where that – that technicality comes in that right. that food scientist that says you know I'm gonna um it's not a fruit but it is a fruit.
1: We and I don't um, want to make beer because it's a starch. Sweetness is a big thing for us because we everything is semi dry and just this last year we finally put a sweet one on, which that's one of the things first thing you hear what's sweet what's not sweet. That's like the number one thing that people kind of have to go on. And that's, it's an interesting thing because a lot of people don't want it as sweet as they think they want it. And then some people want it sweeter than we have. Um, We finally debuted a sweet one. And my strategy with that was to, instead of trying to make a plainer cider more exciting with sugar. I picked the very best cider so that it could stand up to the sugar. And that was a big thing so that it has enough apple flavor that you're not just tasting essentially sugar water, (laughs) which would be a huge waste of cider. Um, And that one turned out really well, but it's, um, we're small enough that we can think like that.
0: Do you think it's the whole wine experience? Do you like a sweet wine? Do you like a dry wine? Do you like a red wine? Do you like a white wine? That the consumer's already given that construction of thought that this is what they apply it to.
1: I think yeah, it's just the closest thing people have to go on.
0: Sweet, dry, um, what Unless do you
1: like? they are, you know, really experienced cider drinker, that's like the next closest thing. But it's just one of those things where you just have to try a few, and then it clicks. Cider is cider.
0: That's like for Dawn and I. Yeah. We'll talk about the fact that, you know, if you go to a, let's say, um, uh, a Thai restaurant, and they say, well, how spicy do you want it? Mm-hmm. Well, Dawn likes really spicy. I like moderately spicy. But what you may say to me, well, that moderately spicy, that was just way too much spice. Completely where Completely said, Yeah, so when you say I like sweet. Versus I even spicy cider. You've got that uh, the, the one spiced cider on your draft list. I mean, I may say, well, that's too hot for me. Yeah. Dawn may say,
1: I, <laughs> yeah, I want
0: it wanted hotter. The hotter, the well, better. Yes. So it's hard to really gauge what somebody says. I like
1: sweet, right? Yes. It's super subjective, which is a whole other food science thing that was drilled into me. Taking all these classes where people are doing, you know panels and trying different things and the whole sensory part of it. And there's not, it's not one size fits all food is just not like that. <laughs> That's you can't make the ultimate cider a hundred percent of people will like, it's just not possible. You just kind of have to make the bet. There's different segments. Somebody comes in, I don't like cider. Well, what do you like? I like hoppy beers. Boom. Hop Tide. That's kind of like, I would hope my bartending legacy here was, that's how I worked, is I would work backwards. Not, people, what's the best cider? And I would say, ignore that. What's your favorite thing to drink? Like, period. If I could hand you anything. And then we're going to work backwards. And generally, that's kind of how I try to think about it. Sometimes it gets hard. One time somebody's was tequila neat and I thought, uh <laughs>
0: well if you say tequila kill and eat I think juicy i, I think there's That's a little bit where of, I ended up with I thought, to so yep. you're gonna
1: so you want something maybe fruity work backwards from there and most of the time that works out for people but it's uh yeah there's just not the same kind of language that people know off the top of their head as they do for wine or Beer or stuff like that. And then there's the whole problem with everything is subjective. Mm-hmm. So even if you have the vocabulary, two people are going to tell you two different things.
0: Yeah. And what did I eat before are two I got different here? Tongues. Right. And have I gone to Big Spring and have I been right. had some cocktails or some spirits? Have I gone to a brewery? Have we just eaten some spicy food? Have we just had coffee to drink? Mm-hmm. It could be anything, right? Right. So where are you taking us next? All right. So I should put the letters facing you. <laughs> right. Pardon the interruption. If you like what you hear, if you love what you're hearing, please share the podcast. Please take a screenshot of the podcast, post it on your social media, tag us just to let everybody else know about Fermented Adventure, the podcast. We'd be grateful for your help to grow our podcast.
1: Let's do my favorite one. So we'll do the freaking Roosh. That's another single variety. Um, Actually, that's not true. That's not your favorite. They're all your favorites. Uh, it's tough. <laughs> that is the one that I am drinking right now. It's um, a blend of uh, Freakin' Rouge and Dabinette apples. It's a little less alcoholic for us. It's 6.7. Most of ours are 8 and up. And it is super, super apple And it's actually sweeter than most other things we have by about double. But it's so tannic. It finishes very, very dry. So it's like, in my opinion, perfectly well-rounded. You get sweetness, you get apple, but you finish dry. And it's just super drinkable.
0: The nose is so juicy. Yes. It's so... I just feel like... I walked into the day, you were pressing apples. Right. And there's so much of that effervescence of apples here in the cidery. And you, you can almost feel like I'm, I'm, you know, you can hear the tractors and the hayrides going on. Yes. This is what this is on the nose easy. Yeah.
1: So I like sweet. And for me, they're, they're both perfect for me. Because mm-hmm. they have, they're not overly sweet, but they have that sweetness and then they Kind of finish dry and it kind of lingers like for that one, mm-hmm. the clue just kind of stays in my mouth. Yeah. That one I'm still trying to figure out, but it's it keeps that flavor like longer, which I really like. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a fully dry cider can be really good, but most people, it that would be an acquired taste. You need some sugar, and it is kind of fun when You know, you're playing around with adding sugar, how different things will start to taste. Something will taste fruity that absolutely did not with just a little sugar, like not necessarily a lot. And then getting that kind of dialed in. That one threw me through a loop because I had to add much more sugar than I normally would because it's so tannic, so dry, it absolutely needed it or it would it was like drinking apple sandpaper. <laughs> it's got such a unique flavor. Yeah. though. I love it the the color in this is almost like a nectarine It is
0: a really neat color. and I think the color is deceiving because I in my when I see this, I'm expecting citrus. I'm expecting orange yeah. notes, um, tangerine notes and to the point of this almost finishes for a brief when you said tannic. It almost finishes barrel aged. I, I yeah. get this this barrel woody characteristic, but it's yep. the skins. There's a bitterness to this. Right. There's so much here. When you talked about, and somebody said, you know, hey, you know, Matt, what's your favorite? You know, I, I think what becomes the favorite, and I think the personality, and I'm always curious about. You know when what's Matt's personality for making cider, and we're gonna kind of learn that at least from me. But you may have a sense when you're working in those guardrails, the portfolio stands up. You've made consistent, excellent cider that you know, look, what's your favorite? They're all your favorite, but the consistency through the portfolio is what's there,
1: right? I think that one helps that it's it's. I'm having a fling with that one. Okay. It's a newer cider. <laughs> it's a newer one, so it's my favorite. <laughs> people ask me, hey, which is your favorite, right? The the one we just picked up, right? Well, and then you get uh, people try to trick you, and they say, what's your least favorite? And they am all, they're always surprised because I say Eve's Revenge right away, the spicy one. And they're like, oh, I, I wanted to try that. And I said, Oh, it's not because you're not going to like it. It's because the pepper lives in the bottle. So once that pepper's in that bottle, i have zero control. control. <laughs> mm. And so it's my job to make it taste the same, and that I can't possibly do that.
0: You could have one pepper that just blows it out. You right. could have one pepper that's mild. There's no. Which somebody is, says, There's pepper here. I don't even
1: taste it. That's the whole fun of it is that the pepper is in the bottle. But people say, How spicy is it? And I say, we'll find out <laughs> we gotta try it yeah we gotta well, let's see <laughs> cause it's spicier all the time well we're gonna find out aren't we
0: at some point some way I know
1: will. you guys wanna try that one
0: <laughs> which one are we go into next
1: alright um let's do the wixen the crab apple we talked about that one that one's kinda got a
0: I get strawberry or a berry on the nose fruit. right yeah. away and I, you know, I shouldn't say these things. I shouldn't say these things because uh, I don't want to lead. You know, sometimes when you say that profile, right, it's almost like you're suggesting that versus getting a chance to try it and see your own experience. You has a, a fruity nose
1: to it. hmm Yeah, it's it's got something other than apple. It's very mm-hmm. fruity. Wow, that's awesome. I mean,
0: it's like you know, y- you go through the the succession of tries and they all stand on their own. But there's something about this one, the brightness, the acidity, the sourness. Definitely. I feel like this – I just ate a bunch of Sour Patch Kids or whatever that is, right?
1: People uh, – we get Sour Patch Kids. We get um, Sweet Tart. People say it tastes like – its I mean, it's crab apple, so it's definitely tart. Um,
0: my experience with that, it's like all, my mouth is salivating and I yeah. want more. Yes. It's, it's yeah. almost like pouring gasoline on a fire. It just keeps yes. raging. The more I drink, the more I salivate, the more I want more.
1: I think especially after the last one you tried too, it's it's on the other end of the spectrum. It's it's a not very tannic. It's fruity, lush, kinda floral. People say that one tastes like a Riesling. They have that to go off of. you see that? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That is right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you have a wine lover it's I don't like cider, but I love wine. Yep. I would definitely go down that road with them.
1: Oh, that's my favorite. I love when people come in with a group and they are, I just, I don't want to try anything. I don't <laughs> like cider. Those are the best. I'm going to go pout in the corner. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: It's the challenge.
1: That's the most fun for me. If I get to be behind the bar, usually I don't, I'm just like fill in, but those are my favorite when somebody tries something and they swear up and down they're not going to like cider you we can usually find something for them
0: with that if you're a sour beer drinker that yeah. fits into where you are too yeah. without having to deal with any of the finished bitterness of any of the hops yeah. or any of the you know impartation of other flavors right. that beers or beer's going
1: to give you not at, not quite as funky as like a sour beer which you can do that with cider a little riskier when you're working with fresh juice instead of you know, water and oats and things like that. But um, that one's, it just is that way. That's the way that apple tastes. It's one of those ones. That's a one-to-one that apple tastes like that when you try it fresh, which is kind of shocking for people.
0: Matt, I'd be curious on that. What does that... I mean, I don't know what yeast you're using, but what happens if you use more of a, a farmhouse you know, style or a wild yeast, and where would that take that, do you think?
1: Uh, you you can do it. You definitely get a little bit more funkiness. You get... Um, I mean, I'm hoping I'm planting a seed,
0: and then you can call that the Fermented <laughs> Adventure series. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, It all depends on which juice which yeast some things are better than others some are fruitier than others um temperature is also a big thing ferment it cold ferment it warmer um we tend to try to stick with the more fruity forward sort of like champagne yeasts that ferment everything out nice and clean um Another thing is just practicality reasons. We ferment everything dry so a farmhouse yeast might crap out and then there's still some fermentable sugars in there that critters could munch on. Something could from a stability standpoint all of our stuff is pretty high alcohol. Fermented out completely dry then it's kind of bomb proof from like a storage standpoint. Um, That's kind of just a a space issue there's all kinds of stuff that you could do and like i said that there i don't there's no rules but just from a practicality standpoint i want things to be as clean as they can be for storage and then um from there we turn it into all kinds of stuff so i want it to store really well because from there, it could get turned into five, six other different ciders. And then, then I have played with some yeasts, like if uh, we're going to add strawberry juice or blueberries or something, that's usually on a secondary ferment is when I like to play with that.
0: I'm excited. Look, when you keep you you keep talking, I'm like I'm I want to keep drinking. I mean, I want, I'm like your your ideas. I'm like I I almost want to camp out outside waiting for you to create your next cider. That's yeah. we live three hours away. It's just not close enough. You've got the Gettysburg location, or you you had the Gettysburg location. Is that still open too? Yep. That's still open. So for those that are near Gettysburg, that's two hours outside of Philly. For those that are outside of Belfont, that's three hours. You're about a half an hour outside Mm -hmm. of State College. So you serve the western part here. You're almost sort of centrally located. So all points Pennsylvania. Somebody can get here or some some way get your good intent site or
1: somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Are you
0: shipping right now out of state? How do people get a hold of some of your ciders uh, if they're not so in the area?
1: Right now, it's kind of, you got to go to one of our tasting rooms in Gettysburg or here and farmer's markets and then a handful of bars in the area. We haven't really been shipping. Uh, during the darkest parts of COVID, we were delivering. I was driving around delivering cider to people. Um but yeah, you kinda have to you kinda have to look for us. But the tasting room is the best place to come. Here's what happens when they find it. Anyway.
0: Then they're gonna wanna find a way to get it shipped to them. Right, yeah. Everybody coming out of state college, maybe they're from out of state. Now they gotta find a way to get back here mm-hmm. to get more of your cider.
1: Totally, yeah, because the population rotates out so much. Yeah. We've heard from people all over. Somebody in you know, Austin, Texas, somebody in Maine. Oh, I know that place, which is really weird, but it is a smaller world than you would think it is. But
0: when you start producing, you get those cider people that want to seek out really great cider. And when you find that you get that like like good intent, how do I get a hold of more of this? And this is the sad part. We we find this all the time. Dawn and I will find our favorites throughout the country that we've experienced. And you'll see on their social media that they're doing a limited release or something. And it's like... You guys suck because yeah. you can't. Get, you're not going to ship that bottle, and even yeah. if you do, it's you know twenty, thirty dollars for shipping and whatever. And yep. but look, we're just going to have to buy one of those Airbnb houses that we talked about.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> to yeah. get
0: to good intent, which one should we go to next? We got two here, and I'm like, like it's. They just keep getting better and better.
1: Let's do barrel Age. Let's do North meets South. That yeah. is like one of the all time classics. It was here when I started. It will always be here. Always a laughing favorite. because
0: I just stuck my nose. <laughs> that, one was, that one was filled higher than the other ones.
1: <laughs> to get a good sniff. Yeah, she's, I've, just, she's I've just laughing. Been known to do I'm that.
0: Laughing to myself. Yeah. I just got that look. It's too bad we don't videotape the whole podcast so <laughs> you can see me sticking my whole nose in the uh, cider. Oh, it it smells so good. So good. <laughs> well, I'm always a sucker for anything barrel aged.
1: Yep. That's another example of where do you draw the line? Oh, man. If it's two barrel aged.
0: I don't like barrel aged, but that's perfect.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Right.
0: It's not overly. Two
1: barrel barrel aged just tastes like messed up whiskey. Yeah. Like it won't.
0: That's It
1: loses all its cideriness. (laughs) So like you need it to be like just right. It doesn't take too long. Usually about a month or two. That's good.
0: So, talk about the barrel. Talk about the apple varietal and how this all comes together. You said north meets south. I'm I'm picturing you know the Union and the Confederacy and how the, how all this is working.
1: Right. Yeah. So that the name comes from uh, the apples come from Gettysburg, and then the barrels come from you know the other side of the Mason Dixon line. So it's north meets south. We
0: talking Kinda Kentucky. We talking War. Tennessee.
1: So it's their bourbon barrels. So it's it's a we used to get all of our barrels from John Bowman Distillery. Okay, if people that's want in Virginia. To look that up. Yeah, John yep. J. Yep, we love them. That's a great distiller. That's in Virginia. And they, I believe, share mash bill with uh, Buffalo Trees. Well, they're
0: owned by Sazerac.
1: There are the whiskey nerds out there. That's <laughs> kind of like where 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 we're coming from.
0: Those are, that's a great whiskey. Those are great barrels. Right. Now, here's the thing you mentioned, and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, let's, you know, let's see what we can do because you mentioned you're in Gettysburg, right? Mm-hmm. You got Mason Dixon Distillery not too far from there, mm-hmm. you know, and you're calling this North Meets South, right? Yeah. So let's get some of those barrels out of Mason Dixon. You got the apples coming out of Gettysburg. Yeah,
1: could be. All
0: right, peer pressure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, yeah, that was this, the whole Civil War. Sort of theme. I'll tell you, if they
0: had this during the Civil War, they probably just would have put down arms and locked, you know, hugged each other, hugged it out. Hopefully. And we could have fixed it without all those people going to battle. This is a nice blend of the apple varietal, as you talked about, where that barrel comes in and everything gets Mm -hmm. lifted to this certain drinkable point.
1: How you were saying, people that don't like barrel aged or whiskey... I'm usually like to try it anyway. Promise, yeah, this is good. But you don't have to like it, but you might be surprised. A lot of people are say, "I didn't, I didn't think so," but it's really good.
0: I can't say that I've ever had a cider that I would be curious to make an old fashioned out of, because sometimes, to your point, mm-hmm. they get over oaky, or mm-hmm. to the they're they're just not barrel aged, or there's just a funkiness to them that it's 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 okay. And I love everything barrel-aged, but this is the first time I've had a barrel-aged cider where I could say, I wonder how this would come up as an old-fashioned. So
1: what I have done at home is it's really not complicated. Just put a couple of drops of the bitters you like. So you have done this. And then call it a day. (laughs) So I'm not inventing anything new. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it's uh, Little orange I like Manhattans. I like old-fashioned, so I've played with it. But I think for that flavor, it's like you just need a dash or two of bitters and you're there. Because obviously, you're not wanting to add a ton more extra sugar. It's already boozy enough. You're not wanting to add vermouth or things like that. Yeah, I like to add bitters to it. It's really good. All that right, way. that's
0: that's going to be our first order of business of trying to make an old-fashioned out of that.
1: It's good. I actually um. I have some bitters on order for the bar. They're coming Saturday.
0: All right. We're just going to sleep here.
1: That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got uh, Fee Brothers makes a cranberry bitters. So my thought process with that would be we could add a few drops of Christmas cheer, which is going to be <laughs> cranberry bitters. But I, I... I guess I do like bitters more than the average person. Bitters and soda water is like a big thing for me at home. But I just like bitters. Um, I can confirm it is good as an old-fashioned
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. See, see, yeah. See, I I was starting to play with that in my head, but you've already confirmed that. Yes. This Topaz is waiting. This is one of the ones you mentioned. So talk about this a little bit.
1: Okay. So that one is... Similar to Wixen, but even more so. Even more fruity, even more tart. Uh, People say it tastes like grapefruit. So much so that when I first made it, I thought I had royally screwed something up. It's one of those ones, if you didn't know it was made out of apples, I would be surprised that you could guess. It's just that. Weird of an apple.
0: Now, topaz is the apple apple varietal. Crimson topaz. Crimson topaz is the
1: name name of of the variety, yeah. Dawn's already not giving this to me. What did you do? So, (laughs) So that's one that, uh, in my own head, one of the clever things I have is like I pretend that it's uh, like a doctor. First, do no harm. So, it's like. That's that apple. And all I did is not mess it up.
0: <laughs> more so than any of the ones that we've tried so far. This has more of a viscous mouthfeel.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: It's thicker. And I can see those brightness notes of the grapefruit. Um, it's very acidic. Certainly yes. as it comes through. Um, you, you That uh, Wixen that we tried, I think there's... We talked about that experience where I had that, you know mouth salivation. This one I get a little of that, but there's so many other notes that play on this. Yeah. How did you think you screwed that up? Because that's just tremendous. That's These are awesome. all great They're all good. and and it's almost like when I point out to some people, you've given us five different expressions of what good intent cider is. You're the conductor. You' almost like, okay, you over there, the Wixen. You know, you point to them and they come up and they rise, and then you get the the Frickin Rouge, and that comes up. There's so many different. This is to if anybody's here in the Gettysburg and the Belfont area, you're probably going to get more opportunity to drink across the board all your skews here. But you really are going to have a great experience
1: i hope so yeah we don't just have 13 varieties like for the heck of it like we we really want them to be wait we have that empty tap let's fill that up with something gasoline here you know yeah yeah that one it was just you know fermenting it out smelling what it smelled like it was so completely different that i was what is going on with this and it's just because it's a really neat apple And that is one that's, it's a modern apple. It's not like a cider nerd apple. I get like candy apple. Yeah. And it's just like a Jolly Rancher
0: apple, right? Yeah, like a candy apple. Oh, Oh, yeah. 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 Which I
1: haven't had in so long, so this is nice. (laughs) Yep. If if you want to pick out someone that's cheating and adding apple flavor, Jolly Rancher apple is like (laughs) what you need in your head. If you taste Jolly Rancher apple, you turn that sucker around. There's no apple in that. There's <laughs> there's, there's some sort of flavoring a lot of the time. It's not impossible, but but
0: yeah. th- as a consumer, that's what we compare it to. But I love what you said about this being a candy apple. Mm-hmm. You get the. I almost feel like you're biting into that crisp, you know, like sugary outer apple. shell. Yeah. Outer shell. Yeah. Right. Wow. Matt, you've been doing this for five and six years now. Yeah. Where do you, where do you see, you know, like I said, you, you're impacting with good intent. You're impacting the cider industry. You're really putting your imprint. Um, you know, we, we saw you at the Cider Fest in Gettysburg, uh, you know, where we got to see, you know, you, you, there's like 25 different cideries. So you get to, you get to really experience so many different personalities. Mm-hmm. But your line, long all day. So you see that you're leading the way in a lot of ways in the cider industry. Where do you see that for you?
1: Wow, that's that's heavy. I don't know. (laughs) You're humble, aren't you? I got to not think about that. I got to just make what I want to make as good as I can make it. Some people like uh, the Earl Grey was a good example. Can you do that? (laughs) We got that. Can you do that? my it's not against the law or anything (laughs) like uh i just want to make it as best as i can and then that's what i'm worried about (laughs) if people like it and it's as good as it can be i've done my job um but also it's not one size fits all there's all kind of different people that like all different kind of things and all different kind of ciders so there's room for everybody uh But it it is really neat that I, you know, get to be creative, get to do what I want to do, which after college, that's kind of what I was looking for.
0: What's your family's feedback on? I mean, you show up, I'm sure they're happy to see you with bottles of cider, but what's some of their feedback on what you've, you know, created and uh, just produced? From, from you know, this experience of
1: being a cider maker. Pretty close to what I would say the general public is. Like, what is this? <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, do you have a sweet one? <laughs> like what you would hear from a lot of people. And then similar growth. I mean, I, I think they definitely think it's really cool that I get to do something fun and interesting. Um they thought it was really neat that my name was on one of the bottles. <laughs> they have those around on their shelves. Um, but, yeah, not not too different than, I would say, the average person. They weren't, you know, super cider people. I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, so we it's right down the middle
0: Okay, I've never Midwestern met, just, just for disclosure, I've never met anybody from Omaha, Nebraska. So, uh-huh. thank you for uh, <laughs> being my first Nebraskian. Or yeah. Ne- what do they call the, them? Nebraskan.
1: Nebr- Nebraskan. Yeah. Okay. But uh, people, it's funny because you know, we're in central Pennsylvania and when I tell people I'm from Nebraska, they treat me like I just like got off the back of a truck or something. And it's, it's Omaha is a big city. <laughs> I'm a city city boy. But, uh, yeah, it's my family, you know, they're kind of wholesome, Midwestern, Coors-like kind of people. And then I come and educate them kind of a thing.
0: <laughs> well, I'm grateful for this point and this time that we've shared. Dawn and I, this is like, we always say, and I, I, I hope it doesn't get old, but this is part of our fermented adventure. Meeting people like you, I mean... You know, this guy from Omaha, Nebraska, goes to Penn State, and he takes these courses in food sciences, and he meets and he calls about around to a bunch of people, and Adam picks up the phone. Mm-hmm. You end up here, and I almost feel like that. You know, it's it's we step into a world of of a craftsman, like we we have this friend Scott Scott Wisher, Scott Smitty Woodshop, and he does all this wood turning, and we look at his stuff, and it's like holy cow, you are like, you're like Chagall. You're like, you know, Galileo and and all these wonderful thinkers and creators. Is Galileo right? I don't even know. But what I'm saying to that point is, you know, we (laughs) stepped into your artist studio and we get to benefit from your creativity and, and we're blessed. And to appreciate how hard you work. You mentioned, look, cider making, there's a lot of alone time to that. There's a lot of headspace yeah. where where you're hoping that your idea at one point comes out like the Topaz. You're like, mm-hmm. I hope I didn't me- mess this up. Right. But you didn't. You made a phenomenal cider. These are just five expressions of just wonderful cider.
1: It is really neat to be able to be creative. I can't draw. I can't paint. Um, I am kind of cook. <laughs> I, you know made a living cooking for since I was a kid. I wouldn't say that I'm a great cook or classically trained or anything, but that's kind of like the way that I'm coming about it is that to me, this is cooking. I'm just cooking in a weird way. Way
0: <laughs> Well you're cooking With gas my friend And I want to thank you For your time today Thanks for being a friend Of Fermented Adventure Thanks for being part Of our adventure Thanks to Good Intent Cider and Adam We're, we're huge fans And and if you're in The Belfont area Or the Gettysburg area Or somewhere in Pennsylvania This is a destination Whether you're a beer Or a wine Or a spirit person Try this as a cider person. And if you love cider, you definitely need to put this on your bucket list of cideries I, to visit. I would
1: hope so. If you're a cider person, you got to find us. It's, uh, it's my favorite part is what makes this like my career and not my job is that for the first time, I can like firmly stand behind it. Like I can say, no, this is some of the best. And... I hope that it is. I believe that it is. Um, But that's really cool. A lot better than, you know, working at a Starbucks or whatever. (laughs) Something you can actually stand behind. If
0: we put the title of this, it's a lot better working at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) That's a perfect way to, as they say, as uh, Mike Rowe says, let's land the plane there. That's a perfect place to land the plane. Thank you so much, Matt. This has been awesome. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks, guys.